Welcome to the Dayspring Community Church Podcast. Check out our website at dayspringonline.org. I know Dr. Friedman, he's been preaching out of the book of Acts, and I'm going to take my, my shot at it this morning. I do appreciate every time I get to kind of get up in front of you. I feel like it's been a while since I've kind of been up here, so uh, we'll, we'll see if I don't just mess this up in a bad way. But if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 1 and kind of unpack it as we move down through it a little bit, uh, and hopefully uh, we can uh, have some greater understanding uh, ultimately about who God is and in light of that, who He's called us to be. So Acts chapter 1, and I today I kind of want to talk about a little bit of kingdom influence, right? I want to talk about knowing that God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And when we get on that same page with God, when we get on the same page as Him, there's some amazing things can happen. When we when we understand, come to a full understanding that God has a purpose and a plan that's greater than our purpose and our plan, some amazing things can begin to happen in our lives. And in Acts chapter 1 is where we see Jesus transfer the power that He's demonstrated physically on the earth. Right? He's, he's transferring this power to the disciples for the mission of the Gospel. And this is what we see in this chapter. So I'm going to start in verse 1 and we'll kind of go down through there and unpack it a little bit. And it says in verse 1, In my former book, Theophilus, for all you young couples out there, baby name right there, write it down, I wrote about all Jesus began to do and teach until the day He was taken up to heaven after giving instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles He had chosen. I want to point out two words to you that kind of from these verses that I really like. They really stood out to me. The first one is began and the second one is chosen. See, I like the word began because we, we tend to think sometimes that when Jesus, He left the earth, that His mission was over. That His ministry stopped and it's just not so. Luke, who wrote a gospel that kind of bears His name, he says that when Jesus was on the earth, this was only the beginning. That His greatest ministry started after He left. And sometimes we think it's just ending. There's a lot of times in our life we think that. We think we're coming to an end of something and that's it. That it's over. That there's an end. But actually, it's a new beginning. There's a new beginning that's happening. A lot of times it's not an end. It's just a beginning. We go through these traumatic events. And sometimes it's even joyous events. We think about graduations and things like that. We think something's coming to an end. But it's actually a new beginning. You think about what's happened in the world right now. We have an election coming up, Corona, and so many things have changed in so many lives. Things have come to an end, but for a lot of us, it's actually a new beginning. It's a new beginning. You might be standing at what you call an ending, but it's really this new beginning, a new purpose and a plan that God has for your life. It's going to depend on your perspective. Boy, perspective is a major thing in our lives today. How do you see these things? Are you seeing them with your eyes or with God's? The second word I want to look at is the word chosen. I love this word. And it's not just the word itself, but it's actually the timing in which the word's used. It really encourages me. See, this is after they had all abandoned Him on the cross. This is after they had all ran and hid. This is after Peter had denied Him. This shows me that they weren't just chosen at the beginning, but they were chosen even after they had let Him down. They were chosen even after they had stumbled. Even after they had faltered. Even after they had hesitated. They were still chosen. Now, aren't you glad that God still chooses you after all the mistakes we constantly make, after all the times that we live outside His purpose and plan for our lives, that God still chooses you even after we've made our worst mistakes? Even after we make our worst mistakes and we believe what our eyes see and not what the Spirit actually knows and is telling us daily. After all this, after all the disciples had done, they were still chosen. 
I think there's two ways you're going to live your life. You're either going to live your life chasing or you're going to live your life chosen. I think this is true. You're going to live it chasing or you're going to live it chosen. So we can't spend our life looking for approval in all the wrong places. You can't. You can't spend your life trying to find your identity in the wrong people and places. See, rather, chasing what people can't really give you, which is a sense of validity, which is all what we all seek after a lot of times, we need to understand we are chosen by the One who truly knows us. We're chosen by the One who created us. We're chosen by the One who loves us in spite of our faults. You're either chasing or you're chosen. See, you don't chase certain things anymore when you accept the fact that you're chosen by God. See, the disciples, they were chosen even after making their greatest mistakes. I think some of you need to be reminded of this today. That even after you've failed in the worst way possible, God is still choosing you. He's actually the one still chasing after you. And I think we need to be reminded of this today. So in verse 3 it says this, After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Remember that last phrase right there, the kingdom of God. Verse 4, On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. He said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, he's being very vague there, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Now, which kingdom did Jesus say he was preaching about? The kingdom of God. But what kingdom does it seem like they're focused on? The kingdom of Israel. All this time with Him, and they still don't get it. All these things they've seen Jesus do and say, and they're still missing the point. So they saw Him hang on a cross. They saw Him walk out of a tomb. But they're still thinking of His kingdom in earthly terms. They're still focused on temporary things. Their identity is still in this earthly kingdom. See, I don't know who is more frustrated in this moment. The disciples or Jesus. Because the disciples may have been frustrated because He wasn't doing it the way they wanted to. Or Jesus is probably definitely frustrated because after teaching them so many things, and you can understand this, Jesus is a good teacher. Right? Jesus showed what the kingdom looked like and for a lot of the world, it looked upside down and backwards. But you would think the disciples would have started to get this, but they still don't. They're still focused on the wrong things. Where's your focus today? Are you still focused on the wrong things? Are you still focused on God? If today, will you please just give me a good parking space? Because if you do, I'll know you're with me. I mean, honestly, is that, is that what your faith boils down to? Is that what your relationship with God, honestly, is that the proof of your faith? Is that if He gives you a good parking space? How often do we pray sometimes about God changing other people instead of focusing on the fact that He might need to transform you? Maybe it's through you that He wants to change other people. So often, our focus is on the wrong things. Are you focused on the wrong things? Are you focused on the earthly kingdom? Are you focused on the kingdom of God? Are you focused on what I want to be, what I want to do, where I want to go? Is your identity being found in the status in this world? Or is your identity being found in Christ? This is a problem for us today. Now in verse 7, he says this. He says, he says to them, it's not for you to know. See, Jesus is saying this is one of those cases where you need to stay in your lane. Quit trying to go above your pay grade. 
You need to quit trying to figure things out that will make your mind go crazy because you can't comprehend it. I think he's still saying this very thing to us today. It's not for you to know, but see, I really want to know what they think about me. Well, it's not for you to control what other people think about you. It's not. It's not for you to control that. But, but I want to know what happens next. Well, it's not for you to know what happens in the next 10 years. The next step is just enough for you. Just the next step is enough. What did Jesus say when He prayed? He said, give us this day. He didn't say tomorrow. Matter of fact, He said this. He said, today's got enough stuff to worry about. Quit worrying about tomorrow. You've got you to go through today to even get to that. You need to be focused on today. I think this is so true. This season. We are, we're in an election year. There's so much that's changed around this country and there's so many of us that are standing on the edge of something that we don't really understand and we don't really know what happens next. And we need a little faith. And I think there's some things that we would do a lot better giving to God in the realm of knowledge and getting back to living by faith. I want to repeat that one more time. There are things in our life right now as the church we need to allow God to have control of the things we can't control and start living by faith instead of walking by sight. Because we got a problem as a church that we want to do that far too often. We need to start living by faith. So he says in verse 7, it's not for you to know the time or dates the Father has set by His own authority. In verse 8, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be My witness in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so He gives them this great mission. And now verse 9, after He had said this, He was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid Him from their sight. Now being a youth pastor and being a teacher of young people, I have to kind of keep up with some of the lingo. And this is kind of a, a word I think it was you. It, it may be, they change so quickly. You need like a word bank, right? You need like a definitional book to, to understand how to talk to these people sometimes. And, but there used to be a word called ghosted. Now, in my day, you at least had the decency to get your best friend to break up with the girl you didn't like anymore, right? But now, it's not even that. You just quit responding. You just don't show up. You just disappear. They call this ghosting. And I, you know, I'm kind of using this in a, in a, a double meaning right now, considering that he, he told them he was going to give them the Holy Spirit, and then he just kind of left. And as I was reading it, I was like, oh my goodness, did Jesus just ghost the disciples? That's what He did, right? He gives them their biggest mission yet, and then He's gone. Man, the theological content of this passage, of this chapter, is vast, and volumes have been written on it, and the pneumatology, the study of the Holy Spirit, has been just unpacked throughout this Scripture. But as it relates to this kind of transfer of the external to the internal... And I think if you read the Old Testament, you're going to see with the Holy Spirit, He comes on a person, right? He overshadows a person or He rests on a person so they can fulfill their purpose. We see this all the time in the prophets where the Holy Spirit did this. But now we're seeing something very different. This is something greater. Now the Holy Spirit, He no longer wants to visit, but He wants to inhabit. So He's moving in, right? No more guest room. He wants access to the whole heart, the whole life. Some of us still have some of the doors locked in our lives today. We need to open up all the doors. God's not into halfway. right? He says, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Don't be lukewarm. Be hot. Be on fire for me. We need to allow the Holy Spirit in all aspects of our lives. See, the disciples, they spent three years with Jesus. 
They've seen the power of His presence. They've seen Him heal. They've seen Him heal the blind. They've seen Him make the deaf hear. And they were finally starting to kind of grasp the power of His presence. And see, I want the power of God's presence in every aspect of my life right now. I think we need the power of God's presence in every aspect of our life in this season. I don't want to just experience it here with you today, right now. I don't want this to be the only place we experience it, right? I want it when stress is running high, when my emotions are running out of control. I want it when temptation is seeming to be weighted down and overbearing. I want it when I'm in pain, when I'm going through trouble. I want it more than just 90 minutes a week. I want the presence of God in every aspect of my life. And see, they spent three years seeing the power of His presence everywhere. And you can see this, hey, everywhere the the presence of Jesus is welcome, power is available. Everywhere the presence of the Spirit is welcome, power is available. But I want you to understand this right now. There's a huge difference in acknowledging God's presence and welcoming it. There is. There's a huge difference in you saying, I know that there's a God. I know what He can do. And you actually welcoming that into your life and living by it. So often as a church, we don't live by the power of that presence. We say we believe it, but our actions don't don't follow. I gave my juniors an assignment uh, last week, and it was it was a very personal assignment. And I asked them why I would why I would give them this assignment, and they said so you can know us better. And I said no. I said you can write anything on a piece of paper. I know everything I need to know about you by how you act in this classroom, how you treat me, how you treat your teachers, how I see you treat your the, your, your peers. I don't need you to write a paper. This is for you. So you can see what God's doing in your life. But so often we say we know things, but we don't live by it. And where God's presence is welcome, there's power available. And to welcome His presence means you're going to work with Him. You're not going to fight against Him. You're going to accept the things He allows in your life, even the painful ones. Even the things we don't really understand. And see, the presence of God, it can transform what oftentimes to us seems like not enough into more than enough. If you remember, Jesus showed up at a wedding one time and there wasn't enough wine. To us, this is kind of completely foreign, but it was a big deal back then. And what wasn't enough became more than enough because of the power and presence of Jesus. His his presence means power. You might want to allow Him in your boat sometimes. I remember the disciples one time were casting nets. Right? They were casting nets and catching nothing. Jesus kind of walks up and He's kind of like, man, you're not very good at this life without Me. You're not very good at this life thing without Me. I've noticed your empty nets, but I'm telling you this, if you'll cast your nets with Me, if you'll cast your nets with My will, with my purpose in mind, you might just find what was empty without me is full with my presence in your life. How true is that for you? We want Jesus' presence in every aspect of our lives. We want Him in our phones. We want Him in our contacts. We want Him in our texting. We want to know who to add, who to delete, who to mute, who to ignore, who to call. You might want Jesus to tell you who you can FaceTime and who you can't. You might want Jesus to tell you who you might need to ghost. There may be some people in your life right now you need to just up and disappear. One time Jesus was sleeping in a boat and it really showed us the power that Jesus has over creation and nature, right? How many of you have storms in your life right now? How many of you look outside and there's chaos and and a lot of 
things that we don't understand and really don't know what's going to happen next. We might want Jesus in our boat. And some of us today, you know, you may be looking at your life going, I only got a few loaves and a few fish. And to you, that's not enough unless you know someone who can multiply it. Right? It's never enough unless you know someone who can multiply it. And I can tell you this, when you put a little, just a little bit in the hands of God, who created everything, a little becomes way more than enough. It becomes much more than you ever need. We need to be careful. And if you invite Jesus to a funeral also, if you remember, He might just say, Lazarus, come forth. He is the resurrection. He is the truth. He is the life. But we want Jesus in every aspect of our life. We want Him in our new beginnings. We want Him in every aspect of our life. We can't withhold any parts of our lives. In three years, they've seen the power of His presence. But now, they're about to see the power that they can have even in His absence. And I think this is kind of what I want to look at a little bit today. How so often what we perceive as absence is something very different. See, when they got closer to the purpose that He came for, He left. And now they're going to have to live in the power of His absence. What is God doing in your life right now? That's kind of an indication of His presence becoming stronger, becoming realer. But your emotional, this type of emotional state and these feelings we like to live by sometimes, it's telling you He left you. It is, it'll tell you He left you. But the power of His, His absence, the power of His presence, it needs to be understood by the fact that God's not limited by physical dimensions. He never really leaves you. It may feel like He's not there, but He never really leaves you. A lot of times, what you associate with the presence of God is comfort. A lot of times what we think that God's with us because we're comfortable. Because everything's going good. It's difficult to grasp, but even the moments where we feel Him the least, where we understand what's going on the least, is probably the moment He's working the most. So often when we can't feel Him, we feel like He's abandoned us, and we feel like there's no hope, is the moment where God's really in the background, doing more than we can ever imagine for us. And we need to understand this. In the absence of answers, faith is born. In the absence of resources, creativity is born. See, when's the last time that we thank God for what He didn't give us? Because it showed us who we can be with Him in our lives. That it isn't earthly things we need, it's God that we need. How often do we do that? Do we thank Him for the things He doesn't give us? This is what I mean by the power of His absence. It's not that it feels good. Because it doesn't feel good when people walk away. When people don't show up. It doesn't feel good when people leave us or let us down. It doesn't. See, there are people that are going to leave our lives. There are people, there are things that are going to end. That are going to be broken. And we, that we think we can't live without them. Then we do. Right? We think we can't go on any further without them. But then we do, one step at a time. See, we get confused and we think because they left, that what they brought left. But I'm here to tell you this, what the things that they brought into your life that were good came from God. And I can tell you this, if someone leaves you, He'll back the truck up and send somebody else to give you what you need. This is what it means to live by faith. To not just live by thought and what we know, but to actually put the Gospel into action. We rarely celebrate absence 
Yet it's in these absence of answers and resources that faith is really born and creativity really manifests itself in our lives. See, notice how Jesus doesn't really answer their question. But He says it's not for you to know. So you can see them chanting. What do we want? We want the kingdom. When do we want it? We want it now. You can see them just kind of giving this. They're all riled up and they're all happy about what's going on. You can see them uh, kind of being conflicted by this concept of the kingdom. And I think this is so true. I remember years ago when Harlow was little, we, my whole family, we decided we wanted a dog. And it was a little bit of an argument about what kind of dog we were going to get, and I lost. But the idea is that our, my family was, we really were talking about how much we really wanted a dog. But here's the thing. We didn't really want a dog. We didn't really love a dog. We loved the concept of a dog. See, the concept didn't have to be taken out in the middle of the night. The concept didn't have to be fed. The concept didn't tear stuff up around my house. We loved the concept of the dog, not the real dog. See, the disciples, they loved the concept of the kingdom. And I think that's true for us. We like the concept of being used by God. We like the concept of trusting Him. We like the concept of being in relationship with Him. But what happens in the moment where the kingdom is inconvenient? What happens in the moment where the concept becomes a reality and now Jesus asks you to do something that you're not comfortable with? What happens in the moment where the concept of who God is becomes a reality and He asks you to pack up your family, pack up everything you own and go to a land that He's promised you and you don't know where it is? What happens when that happens? Uh, Do we we love that relationship then? Or is it just the concept that we love? What happens when he, He sends you into the dark places of life where... You may think, I don't really like these people. I don't want to go minister there. I think they're less than, than human. This is what He called the disciples to do when He talk, called them to go into Samaria. What happens when God does that to your life? Is it, is it you find real quick that it's just the concept of these things that you like? See, now Jesus is taken. He's hidden in the clouds. But here's the thing. He didn't, he didn't disappear. He wasn't just gone. He's just no longer visible. Now it's internal. See, some of you, like the disciples, you're in a waiting period. And see, Jesus tells them, I'm leaving, but I'm giving you something greater. But in between, it's going to seem as though you have nothing. I believe it was like 10 days. That vague phrase, in a few days. I think it was like 10 days. Now, a lot of us were like, 10 days, man. That's nothing. Well, I'd like to see some of you go 10 days without Wi-Fi. Hey, let's be honest. Ten minutes, y'all be shaking like an addict. Be pulling your hair out. Ten days is a long time. It sounds like nothing. But what if it's ten years and you're waiting for the Holy Spirit? What if it's ten years? What if it's ten years and you're waiting for God to give you victory over this thing that you're struggling with in your life? It's nothing more painful than the in-between time. See, if it's an ending, I can bury it. If it's a beginning... We can begin to unpack it and deal with it. But it's in that in-between time that sometimes we struggle with our faith. See, ten days, it isn't isn't a long time, but when you don't know what's coming next and you don't fully understand, it can seem like an eternity. And your faith can waver. See, in little ways and big ways, we all can relate to something being taken from us that was a part of our lives. A season of life that changes and we got no warning. Sounds pretty relevant, doesn't it? There's no manual for this, right? There's, there's no instruction manual for how to move forward when, 
We think we have a plan in life and we see it going a certain way, then all of a sudden, abruptly, with no warning, it all stops and we seem like we're lost a little bit. And I think this is true. I remember the first time I tried to hug Harlow in public and I got the old Heisman stiff arm. I remember it and I was like, I'd never seen this before. And she gave me this one. She said, Dad. And I was like, Dad? Who's, who's this dad guy? I'm daddy. Like, when did we drop the consonant? Like, when in the world did the consonant go away? I thought I was still, Daddy, who is dad? Like, who's this other guy? I need to know who this is. See, the thing is, you know, she didn't stop loving me. It just changed forms. What she needs from me now is a little different. It's not, not less, it's just a little different. See, he didn't leave them, but the intimacy looks different. And if we understood this more, I'm telling you right now, more marriages would last in this country. More marriages would last in this world. If we understood that sometimes love just transforms. It's not, we think love goes hand in hand with butterflies and feelings. But we need to understand that love is a choice. My wife chooses to love me daily, even though she doesn't like me. She chooses to love me. It's not about feeling. Sometimes it just transforms a little bit. And maybe love didn't leave, but it just changed forms. And see, God's presence in our lives, it isn't always about comfort. It isn't always about emotional reaction, about goosebumps. And so sometimes we have to say, I'm going to have faith and wait in Jerusalem. I'm going to wait for God to make things clear. Even if we don't have the answers, even if we don't understand. See, the disciples, they weren't ghosted, they were gifted. See, we can all look back and see that God's, uh, what God's put in our life that was amazing, but sometimes it's what God allows to be removed that is just as significant. I want to say that one more time. It's easy for us to reflect and see all the amazing things that God added to our lives, but so often we miss the things that God removed that were far more significant. The things we didn't need in our lives, the things that would have led us down a path of destruction. See, what He allows to be brought in is good, but sometimes what He allows to be taken away is even better. Prosperity isn't always good for our soul. See, God's not left you. He's calling you deeper. He no longer wants to be just with you, but He wants to be in you. See, He couldn't get the disciples to understand this. They kept thinking it was something they could see. In John 16, verse 7, it says this, He tells them, uh, it's, for, it's for your good that I'm going away. It's good so that I can send something greater. See, I know sometimes our hearts are, are filled with sorrow and mourning. And we have reason to feel this way. Nothing hurts like something leaving or changing in our lives. Nothing hurts like loss. But even if it's a positive change, sometimes it hurts and it's difficult. But even if, if something negative leaves, it doesn't matter, negative or positive, it requires some type of rehabilitation. How does life work without this? Jesus says, it's for your good that sometimes things are removed and taken away. It's so I can send something greater in your life that I have to remove certain things. But we miss this so often. See, Paul says that all things work together for good. It may not feel good, but for good. He doesn't say feel good. He says for good. See, when our purpose is to be transformed into the image of Christ, not your image, right? Not what I want. Not what I like. 
But it's God's will and God's purpose. It's for your good. It doesn't always feel that way. See, God's working for you right now. And it might not feel good to you, but it doesn't have to feel good to you to be good for you. I think you need to realize that today. It doesn't have to feel good for it to be good for you. We can't go off of what feels good to us. A lot of times that will trick us in a heartbeat. See, a donut tastes good to me, but a squat is good for me. And I don't like to do squats. Right? I would rather eat donuts. But sometimes what feels good isn't what's best for us. See, He's gifted you the Holy Spirit to fulfill His purpose and to build His kingdom. He said Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth. Now to us, those are like Star Wars galaxies, right? They're just so foreign to us. We hear those words and it doesn't really strike a chord. But to them, these were real geographical places. These were real places in their life they had to deal with. Jerusalem was the place where they received the Holy Spirit, where persecution then drove them to Judea. And then into Samaria. The Jews hated the Samarians. They thought they were less than people. And trust me, the feeling was mutual. Jesus even carried His ministry into Samaria, the place where they hated. And I think all of us, we have some area in our life that He's working through and where we're insecure, where we're uncertain, where there's things in our life that we don't like about ourselves. And it's in the absence of these answers where faith will be born. It's in the absence of this if we trust in God that faith will grow. See, some some areas, and maybe it's resentment, maybe it's uncertainty. Uh, You're trying to figure out who you are in life now that something has left you or something has changed. And it's with God's presence has been kind of hidden in the clouds from you. But it's through this area that the Gospel is going to be released to every corner of your life. I tell kids all the time this, you're going to change more people's lives I promise you this, with what you do, far more than what you say. People need to see the Gospel lived out. They need to see the hands and feet of Jesus, not just hear a good sermon. That does very little. We hear those things in one ear and out the other and we go and live our lives like normal. What will change someone's life is seeing you have a horrible day, have a smile on your face, and really begin to bless other people with your kindness and love, even when they don't deserve it. People need to see the Gospel lived out. And I think this is so true. We miss it so often. It's going to be through those hard areas that the Gospel is going to be released into the, every part of our lives. And the disciples, they're, they're like, uh, you know, they're thinking, hey, is now going to be the time where you exalt Israel and put the Romans in their place? Right? What do we want? We want earthly kingdom. We want the kingdom of Israel. We want it now. And Jesus says the timing is not up to you. It's not up to you. Uh, you don't need to be concerned. Uh, you need to be concerned not, not with what you want, but what I want. I know you know we're all always so concerned with what we want and what maybe what God wants us to do. But isn't it amazing? Instead of giving them something to do, He gave them something to be. I think this is true for us. Sometimes we, we get so caught up in what does God want me to do next? And we miss the fact that in those moments, He's calling you to be something very different. And it's in that being something very different that people will notice. See, He said you will be My witness. See, I'm, I'm developing your character. I'm doing it through an area of your life that you never expected. The space that God has left that you don't understand, that spot, that area that we feel like it's lacking. 
right? Is that's where the Holy Spirit wants to live today in your life. That place where you feel insufficient. That place where you feel insecure. That place where you feel like, I can't do it if I only had all the different things that the enemy attacks us with. Is that place where the Holy Spirit wants to take up residence. To give you that greater faith. To give you that greater understanding. See, the power of His presence is often and most clear in what we uh, perceive as absence. The power of who He is is actually felt more clearly in what He perceived as that. What did Paul say when he was in prison? Everyone's forsaken me. Everyone's left. I'm all alone. But this is the place I feel closest to Jesus. It's when there's nothing else around me and it seems like from the outside looking in that all hope is lost and I am as lonely as it can be. But I feel closer to Jesus now than I ever have. It's in that place of absence that Jesus' presence should really be seen. So are we focused on the right thing today? Are you chasing or are you chosen? Are you living in that purpose that God has laid out for your life? Are you living in the power of the Spirit that He's given you? The very Spirit that He said brought Him out of a tomb is the one He says He's going to give to you. But are you living in that power? Is it just a knowledge of who God is? Are you welcoming that fullness of the Spirit in your life today? See, God hasn't left you even if it feels like it. God isn't absent in the world today even though it may seem like it. God isn't absent in Jackson, Mississippi even though it may seem like it. God's presence is moving each and every day. And maybe what He wants you to focus on as you leave here today is what He's called you to be. He's called you to be His witness. And it doesn't take but just to turn on the TV or just to look outside your window to see that the world needs to see His witnesses. God's calling you to love people. He's calling you to proclaim the Gospel today. Be His witness today. Live in that very promise today. Allow the Spirit to be full in your life today. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God, we thank You so much for being who You are. For the love and grace that You've given us, Lord. For Your Spirit that You've allowed to come into each and every life here. To guide us, to direct us. Lord, allow us to have that full understanding that we live with that same power here today. That You're still a God of miracles. You're still a God of redemption. You're still the God who can bring the men the things that are, that are broken and seem no way they can be fixed. You're a God that can redeem marriages that seem too far gone. You're a God that can redeem relationships that have gone past the point of, of earthly redemption. You're a God that can heal a nation. You're a God that can bring a world together and help them love each other in the purest way possible. God, allow us to be Your witnesses here today. The same charge You gave to those disciples is still true for us. You're calling us today to proclaim Your Gospel and it's not just with word, but with deed. Allow us to know You and that is not just in a mental sense, Lord. It's with our actions. It's with our hands. It's with our feet. Allow us to welcome Your presence in every aspect of our lives. The time of the church withholding any part of itself needs to be gone. We need to live with all the doors unlocked. The windows open. And allow Your Spirit to fill us in such a way that we're poured out into a nation that is growing darker and darker by the minute. You say in Revelations that it's not Your judgment that's going to change. But it's the suffering of Your church. 
This is what's going to call people to repentance. Is seeing your church suffer well. Allow us to do that with love and compassion. We love you and we thank you for all that you are. Amen. Dayspring, you're just missed.